Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Sound courtesy of Fox, Brett Burkhart, Greg Olson did a great job. I'm told I was at the game with my man Larry Kruger, who's in today for Mark Willard. Mark will be back tomorrow with fresh eyes, as we like to say in the business. He'll have fresh eyes on this game. I know he was watching it very intently as he was doing his national show on Fox Sports Radio. Always tough to watch a game and do a show at the same time, but if I know Mark, he went back and watched the game again, and I'm sure he'll watch it a third time, as we all do, Larry. We all watch these games multiple times. There was a certain general manager who ran a certain radio station for years and years who did not allow TVs in the studio because really? we were not disciplined enough to not stare at them during the show. It's funny you in say his that. Mind, in his mind. No, and, and I get that because uh, during the World Cup, our very own Matt Nahigian was uh, at times, I think, a little bit annoyed at some of us present company included as we were locked in on, oh, I don't know, Croatia-Morocco in the 27th minute. So I, there's a case to be made for the distraction factor. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm driving home last night. I'm listening to my man, Andy Gresh, Gresh, okay. yeah. uh, who's a buddy of mine back on. He was working for CBS Radio. Nice. And Gresh is doing one of these things. Well, let me look that up. And he's on national radio. He's looking <laughs> up a stat. And he's like, I don't know. Let me see. Let me click this here. And I'm sitting there. I'm texting him. I'm like, Gresh. You're doing a national radio show, buddy. Let's uh, you maybe get a producer to lo- look that up exactly. for you. Yeah, it's usually the, what what we used to do. And that's kind of how I got my start in the business was with your former partner, Gary Radnich. It was always, hey, Dan, look this up. And so I became the, hey, Dan, look this up guy. And this right. is going back to 2006, 2007 when... You know, Ask Jeeves was still a thing, and <laughs> Google was in its nascent days. And so, uh, hey Dan, look this up. Look is, it up, Dan. But you, Dan were quick, you were you were you looked things up very quickly I did. back in the day. That's the You're, way I survived. Good speed. That's good the speed. way. Yeah, it's the way I thrived. And uh, the Niners thriving last night in a unique way. And I want to get your thoughts on Brock Purdy because if you look at the numbers, they were not eye popping. Nineteen of twenty nine, two hundred and fourteen yards. A quarterback rating of 87.4, no touchdowns, no interceptions. If I would have taken the name off of the box score, and if I told you Jimmy Garoppolo started that game, you'd probably say, yeah, it's a Jimmy G line. So how many of these times have we seen a quarterback line like this and thought, oh, it's because the quarterback is limited? Is it the quarterback or is it the system that is designed to limit mistakes and thereby limiting the QB's ability to get numbers? Well, first of all, I'll never say it's the system. You know, I always think it's players over over. It's it's as they say, the Jimmys and the Joes over the X's and the O's. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just I really believe in the personnel side of it. You know, people who want to say, oh, and I've heard this so many times in the last couple of weeks, and it's sickening. Anybody could win in this Kyle Shanahan offense. Nine and twenty-nine. That's what the Niner quarterbacks were outside of Jimmy Garoppolo under Kyle Shanahan. So don't tell me about anybody could win. This I'll buy that. I'll buy the anybody can is nonsense. That's, that's nonsense. But if you look at who the quarterbacks were who authored those nine in 29 games. You're they talking about a host of Mullins, a ton of Bethard, a, Hoyer. a dollop of Brian Hoyer. <laughs> I mean, so we're not dealing with... A dash of a Hoyer. A sprinkle of Trey Lance. <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, you weren't dealing with somebody who was very competent. However, I'll give you this. 
Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. No one, when they drafted him in the seventh round, the final pick of the draft, no one would have thought, you know what, this guy's going to come on and go undefeated as a starter and lead you to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's play, he's, play, he's got a ton of moxie, and he's very competitive, and he's a smart kid, and he's, football's important to him. So he's got, you know, he's got a lot of traits that you're looking for in a quarterback. He's accurate. He's got the it factor. People say, what is the it factor? Right. To me, it's timing touch and accuracy because when you have those things sometimes it goes unnoticed and when you don't have those things it's like man this guy doesn't have it well, what doesn't he have well he doesn't have good timing and he doesn't have good touch and he doesn't have good accuracy and Brock Purdy's got all of those I thought the interesting part of yesterday's performance it was very Garoppolo-esque from the Garoppolo-ian. stamp <laughs> Garoppolo-ian if you will and can I add one more uh, letter to your uh, your acronyms and yeah. that's temperament and the ability to under duress make the right play and not make the mistake. And this is where I think that he's a slight cut above what Jimmy Garoppolo's done. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, we know, is going to give you one, right? Every game, he's going to make that throw, the Jimmy Ono throw. He's going to throw an interception. He's going to make a mistake. Brock Purdy has not yet shown that he's going to make those mistakes. He, he throws the ball away. He eats it when he has to. The guy is not prone to the turnover. Well, and if people who like Jimmy, what do they say about him? Well, man, after he throws an interception, he can bounce back. He's resilient. Yeah, but he's got to have these colossal mistakes, and it seems like he makes them in big moments. Yesterday was a, a, a game that was just absolutely primed, uh, ready for a young quarterback to be overwhelmed by Dallas's pass rush, by Dallas's speed, by Micah Parsons, and everything that he does, and all the different ways they utilize him as a rusher. And yet, the kid kept his head. And he threw the ball away. And he threw the ball into the turf. And he doesn't take sacks. And when you think about it, when the Niners played like Russell Wilson, a young Russell Wilson, that's a lot of the things that, you know, you feel that frustration as a defense when you're playing these guys because you can't sack them. Because they're constantly throwing the ball away and you're hoping for a minus 10 or a minus 8. And they're getting, you know, basically just on to the next down because they're throwing it into the turf or they're getting outside the tackle box and throwing it away. What I was going to say, though, about Purdy is of the yard, that he threw for, it was like 124 of those yards came in the middle of the field. So in that way, he's like Garoppolo. If you and I, I, I would imagine Philadelphia is going to notice that trend, and they're going to flood the middle of the field, especially late in the down, um, and and look for for Purdy to throw picks. Now we'll see if he can if he's under so much pressure and he throws a few picks. But expect the Eagles to cheat inside after looking at at this film against Dallas yesterday. Triple. Eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. Your chance to weigh in on Niners over Cowboys. Niners versus the Eagles coming up on Sunday. And get geared up for the playoffs with our store. Did you know we have a merch store? We got relevant T-shirts, DPOY shirts, merch from every show. Get yours today at nine five seven thegameshop dot com. That's nine five seven thegameshop dot com. Well, before we go to the phones, Larry, I do want to just accentuate what you said about what the Dallas defense was able to do because I think Philadelphia will emulate it. Dallas wanted to make Brock Purdy beat them. So they loaded the box early and they took away Christian McCaffrey, especially on early downs. They anticipated the early down run game of the Niners and they forced Brock Purdy into third and long. The one adjustment that I thought Kyle Shanahan made, which we've talked about in the changeover, was he went empty a bunch. So Brock's yeah. comfortable with empty. He's very comfortable with empty. But what that took away was the ability to run play action. But 
you didn't have a lot of time to run play action. They ran it in the first half, and by the time Brock would execute the run fake, the pass protection was broken down. So there really was no reason to run play action any longer because Dallas was breaking through the Niners' O-line. So I would imagine that he's going to give Brock the keys to the car, and they'll go empty a lot more against Philadelphia. You know, in a lot of ways, it reminds me, and I'm not comparing him to Brady, but I'm comparing the way the Niners are using Brock to the way the the Patriots used young Tom Brady. Get five eligibles out in the pattern. Get your quarterback, who's incredibly accurate with great footwork, to play with a little rhythm. And then as soon as he hits the top of his drop, the ball comes out. And if you put five guys in the pattern, now you got to cover five guys. And if you know the, the thing about the Niners that makes them so difficult to defend, and Lo and I hit on this in the pregame, is that. They have McCaffrey. They have Mitchell. Right. They've got all these different weapons. Debo. But now every single one of their offensive weapons can be in any of the other spots. Exactly. You can have Kittle in the backfield. You can flex McCaffrey out to the wide side of the field. You can use Mitchell out of the backfield or in the backfield or line him up at tight end or H-back. These guys are so versatile and they can all play all the different spots. And that's what I was noticing last night formation-wise because we know that they love to run a ton of 21 personnel, two running backs and one run wide receiver. Traditionally, you'd have check and let's just say McCaffrey, both in the backfield, maybe split backs, maybe an offset eye formation, but last night they abandoned that a bunch and they put check in the second tight end spot and they put McCaffrey or Mitchell in the slot, usually McCaffrey, and they went empty out of traditionally a run formation, they were going to a lot more throwing formations out of the the traditional 21 package. And it puts so much pressure on a defense because, you know, you got five guys in the pattern, you got to defend them all, it's going to be a short drop, you're dealing with a quarterback with great footwork, great accuracy underneath, and he's very decisive, and he's got a really good idea pre-snap where he wants to go, one, two, three. And also matchup-wise, right? Because defensively, if you're going to put your personnel out there, if you see the Niners come out with you check and two running backs you're going to be more likely to play your base and have only four members of the secondary out there you probably won't go to the nickel package thinking that you want to have your run defense on the field and yet the Niners can run or pass out of that 21 personnel Dallas also goes with the two stack backers and the the, the you know the big nickel as they call it with the three safeties and Jaron curse is kind of a linebacker and there was some question would he play in this game and he did play and I thought he played pretty well despite being injured but you know that I thought the Niners would have had more success running it at this big nickel right instead as you said Shanahan went empty put the ball in Brock's hands. It was kind of encouraging to see, though, because it kind of reminds you that you know, Shanahan has stated that him and Brock see the game the same way. And I think that's Shanahan's way of saying, hey, you know what? Brock sees it. He sees the game. He sees the field. Right. Um, and he and makes the right decision when he sees the field. And he makes, you know, a lot of times it's the check down. It's a simple throw. But just, you know, happy to take two or three yards as opposed to risking it for 14 or 15. The other thing that I think is really clear when you watch the end zone camera of Brock Purdy's, you know, surveying the, the, the you know, landscape at the line of scrimmage for an for a rookie, okay, we're talking about a rookie seventh round draft choice who's playing his first year in the NFL. He has this tremendous calm at the line of scrimmage. And I think it's the combination of 
the competitive fire, the guys talk about it all the time. Man, this if you're in the wrong place, he'll sound you out. He'll yell at his receivers. He'll yell at his linemen if he needs to. He's in control of the huddle, but he also remains calm. And, he, and, and despite the fact there was tons of pressure yesterday, and the Cowboys defensively can put a lot of pressure on you, and the Niners weren't getting a lot done on first and second down, but he still stayed calm, and he didn't make that hugely negative play that cost you the game. Seven for fourteen on third down, which a lot of those came. Take that every time. A lot of those came in that, in that late drive, that eight-minute drive where they just churned yardage and uh, kept the Cowboys on the sideline and ultimately snuffed out the game. Triple eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. What'd you think? It's a victory Monday. Niners over Cowboys. Let's go to Mark in Livermore. Hey, Mark, what are you doing this morning? Man, I'm stuck in traffic. Man. <laughs> Been there. How you guys doing? <laughs> Better now. I was stuck on the way to Levi's and stuck on the way home. Oh, I know that was the worst. They still have to figure that out. They no keep doubt. changing it every game. Exactly. Little consistency. Oh, so let's figure, we'll figure out how to get in, how to get out. Just a little consistency. I need to roll with yeah, Bonte, and, uh, Bonte and the misses, uh, the cone movers. I, I, you know, if I, well, I'll say this, I would have moved, I would have moved sidewalks. I would have moved anything. <laughs> I would have driven up on the landscaping, you know, on the landscaping. I would have done anything to get there yesterday, but you know, there was no like, hey, uh, you know, Alice Cooper backstage pass radio guy. Row. I'm Larry Kruger. You better recognize. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. I need to get through. No, there was none of that. Mark, what's on your mind today, buddy? Well, one thing I was, was noticing, this was a typical 49er game. Um, if you alluded to what you were talking to earlier, uh, if we were listening to the game and not watching the game, you would swore that Garoppolo was playing. It was that type of game. And it was that tough of a game. But um, but it was definitely a night of game. The only way Dallas was going to beat us if they could have ran away with it early. And when they didn't, you know, when it was 6-6 halftime, you knew it was only a matter of time before we, we flipped the switch on the momentum and just take it over. Now, I'm excited about this Philly game because the last time I saw Brock Birdie and Jalen Hurts play each other was in college. Hurts slung five TDs, Purdy slung six. It was a one-point oh, game, yeah, wasn't it? 42-41, yeah. Exactly. I, I don't know if yeah. we're going to see that kind of game, Mark. Thank you for the phone call. And I, I mean, I sure would be exciting. I don't know if my heart could handle <laughs> that, Larry, uh, that level of a shootout. But uh, you saw last night early on that this was going to be kind of a tough slugfest, a defensive kind of ball game. But the Niners, to Mark's point, this was a typical Shanahan game. 30 or more rushes, check the box, 33 minutes of time of possession, Check the box and a sturdy defense that held up when it needed to. Yeah. And offensive balance. Yeah. You know, you looked at Dallas and Tampa the week before. What happened to Tampa? They had 66 passes and 12 runs. They had no offensive balance. The Niners maintained offensive balance. I will say this too. Not every one of these games in the playoffs is going to be a is going to be a you know a picturesque, incredible piece of artwork. These teams study each other. They know each other's tendencies. They have a week to to prepare for one another. They know how to turn off each other's water. You know the Niners knew what Dallas liked to do. Dallas knew what the Niners liked to do. These coaches are making you know six figure salaries in some cases seven figure salaries to to do their job and do it effectively and make adjustments. So you know it's not always going to be pretty. 
Um, it, what's what matters is can your quarterback handle the pressure of the moment? And watching Brock Purdy there uh, yesterday, you know I, he could handle it. Now next week's a totally different animal, right? The Philly fans are going to be screaming. It won't be a night game, right? It's going to be a day game, so that's a little bit better. But that's going to be a, another adjustment. That's a totally different environment. And the Eagles have, I think, the well they do have the number one pass defense exactly in the NFL. Um, they've got. Bradbury jumping routes, and you've got a front line that has all kinds of depth and talent. So it's going to yeah, be, be interesting to see if the Niners can't run the football like they struggled to yesterday. How does that affect the way Shanahan calls the game and whether or not Brock Purdy can throw against the best pass rush in football? Triple eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. You kind of hinted on this, and Kyle from the Bay Bridge wants to make his point and ask the question, ugly win or something to be concerned about? What do you think, Kyle? Kyle, you there? No? He got bay-bridged. Did you yeah, say bay-bridged yeah, or Golden Gate Bridge? That was the Bay Bridge, yeah. Bay-bridge. Bay bridge. And I'll bay ask you the question that I think that he was going to hit upon. Was that an ugly win yesterday or were there things in that victory that you're genuinely concerned about heading into Philadelphia? That's a good question. As far as thank concern, you, I'll take credit, but it's from <laughs> Kyle on the Bay Bridge. That's a very good question, Dibs. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot of concerns about going into Philadelphia. I mean, my, you know, my biggest concern with going into Philadelphia is on the Niners' ability to stop uh, Philadelphia's run game. You know, the the Niners. If you go back to the Atlanta game, Marcus Mariota. A lot of the read option, yeah. holding the mesh point. Really, I mean, the one thing I've seen with the Eagles and the Falcons this year, they'll have this this read option run where the quarterback and the running back will literally like do this dance together for a couple steps where they're trying to hold the mesh point for like three seconds. Right. And that freezes the linebackers, and that creates space and creates problems for the defense. So the Niners struggled against the Falcons. They lost that game. Yeah, they struggled against the read option. The key, that was a bit of a weird game. That it was, was a the second game, game of a, a road injuries. trip and a lot of injuries. Yeah. I'm not going to excuse it. That's a game actually that I saw them losing just based on the schedule spot and the injuries. But Arthur, your, Arthur Smith had a great game plan. Absolutely. And, but and, to your point, exactly what you're describing is what Philadelphia does so well. Forty four. For 268 in their win over the Giants on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, and and the you know Miles Sanders is a tiny little back. He's hard to find. Um, Boston Scott's a tiny little back as far as height. He's also hard to find. And then you've got Jalen Hurts who will tuck it and keep it, and he puts a ton of pressure on the defense. So what does it come and down Kenneth to? Gainwell who Gainwell was 12 and yeah, 12 carries, and he's a receiver too. But I think the the big difference with Philly or the big impact is going to be first and second down. Philly gets into these third and twos third and threes, and then they put all kinds of pressure on you. Are they going to run it? Are they going to run it with their running back? Are they going to run it with their quarterback? Are they going to throw it? Is it going to be a little stop route, a little timing route? You know, they've got Devontae Smith who won the Heisman. you got A.J. Brown. you got a healthy Dallas Goddard. So they've got weapons, man. I mean, they got big-time talent, and they put a lot of pressure on you. I think the key is first and second down. you got to get them into third and five, third and six. The Niners are the, one of the best defenses in football. If they can get their opposing teams to third and long, but in third and short, 
especially without DJ Jones, 49ers defense has been really, really vulnerable. So to me, that's where this game is decided, is can the Niners get it done on first and second down and get Philly into not short and manageable thirds, but longer thirds. Right, and you saw that a little bit last night where you know Dak got into some third and shorts and fourth and shorts. They were able to convert a couple of fourth downs, one on a C.D. Lamb, uh, kind of a jet sweep where he was able to get the one yard, and the Dak Prescott scramble that you mentioned before. So the Niner defense, I think, did so well at the bend but don't break. But Philadelphia is a whole different animal with the two wide receivers who are legitimate threats and also a, a run game that absolutely gashed New York. Triple eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. Next up is AJ from River Islands. Million dollar living for half the cost. <laughs> That's just an old tagline the, I used to have. The banks of the mighty yes. San Joaquin. Look at you and I both, former endorsers. What's going on, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> that was, I, I, I had to I had to introduce myself as that because I knew like you know you you used to love Revivalans. I don't know I don't know where the love is now since you don't talk about it anymore. But um, oh, I, I would I, love to I, talk about it uh, if the people from River Islands are out there. I'm still here, still a big fan. Million dollar living for half the price. Lots of lots of multiple floor plans, and there's a K through eight that's starting up, and beautiful um, parks too, and uh, trailways <laughs> as well. Don't you try to one up me, Larry Krueger? River, a lot of lot of uh, lot of uh, farm smell as well, and it will take me triple the time to get to the Levi's uh, versus uh, versus you guys. The so, mighty you know, San great. Joaquin, and they get, quietly they have a nice little uh, brew pub there as well. Ah, you sit out on the on the boathouse again, Larry. Uh, don't try to steal steps. my endorsement. I'm Dan Dibley here for River Islands. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> you guys should come down over here one day, and we'll we'll, we'll uh, host a show over here. But um, oh hell yeah, hey, what's, what's uh, going on in Lathrop? Are you kidding me? We're out there. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, Victory Monday. Um, I, I just want to talk about the unsung hero, Robbie Gold, uh, the gold standard. His 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 field goal, his point afters. Every point was a premium last night. That's that's just how that's just how it was. And every yard was a premium too. And then the way he tackled. Um, what's that return returner's name? Tur- Turpine. Turpin. Yeah, Turpin. Yeah, yeah, that was so a big tackle. His, yeah, Turpin. That that was that was going along. I mean, had he not put his body on the line like that, that was he was gone as far as far as, as, far as what I saw. And how the hell did Arik Amstar? You know, and the, like he how, how did he miss the tackle? Like I, that would have been uh, a perfect ending to the defense. How they shut him down to pick a safety and end the game right there. Oh, Armstead, you mean well, on, on Prescott? That was just a wild. I, he, he I didn't want to. I don't think he wanted to draw a penalty. Exactly, on that. Larry, and that's that's a shame because old school NFL, you blow that guy up. But uh, in the modern NFL, it just you, you got to be cautious. You don't want to lower your helmet. You don't want to body weight him. So he it looked like he it's, tried to wrap him, and he just slid right underneath the wrap. Football is getting unrecognizable. Did you guys watch the uh, the Philly Giant game when it was just a simple run, a simple run play, and Goddard is trying to to get and get a little chip block, and he blocks the guy. But then instead of, he didn't want to be called for the hold, so he, he got in front of him. And then he puts his arms up like, hey, I didn't touch him. Right, I'm not holding right. him. It's like, we're at that point where you really got to sell it. But I'll say this. If you said, what's the number one reason the Niners won this game over Dallas? The Niners took better care of the football than the Cowboys did. They were plus one on the turnover margin at the end of the game. And the Niners played a cleaner game penalty-wise. That's right. On on the, uh, in that late, well, I guess it was... Uh, 
early th- or late third quarter, uh, 49ers on the touchdown drive where McCaffrey scored on the two-yard plunge. The Niners got to third and eight on the 20-yard line, and uh, Demarcus Lawrence sacks Brock Purdy, and it looks like it's going to be, you know, field goal time again, but no penalty on Dallas defensive hold. Then Debo runs uh, runs a, a nice little run off the orbit motion on the first and 10 play from the 15. Again, Dallas gets called for defensive holding on number 95, and that set the Niners up inside the 10-yard line. A couple plays later, they scored the touchdown. Yeah, the hold on Kittle when he was running the deep route in the end zone, I think that's the one you're talking about. Yeah. It was uh, the kind of a little bit of a gift because the ball wasn't going to him anyway. Right, right. But I mean, I, if you just look at Dallas and what they can point to as why they lost, they didn't take care of the football yeah. and they didn't play as clean a game as the Niners. They had, what, twice as many penalties. Exactly. And especially when you're the road team, those are things you can't afford to do, which the Niners will be in that place coming up on Sunday. All guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink. Easy to enjoy. You are our guest today. Line them up. 888-957-9570. What did you think? Niners beat the Cowboys. And how sad are you that there are only three NFL games remaining in this season? It's Willard and Dibbs. Larry Kruger in for Mark Willard. Come on back with us here on 95.7 The Game. and dips on 95.7 The Game. Oh, welcome back. It is a victory Monday. Larry Kruger in for Mark Willard. My man Mark is back tomorrow. It is Willard and Dibs, and it's a Monster Monday brought to you by Zenny, the official eyewear of the San Francisco 49ers. Shop from over 3,000 styles at 80% off retail prices exclusively at zenny.com. It is a victory Monday. We're talking about the Niners and the classic win over Dallas. Second straight year, they knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs. 19-12, to the final when kickers collide. Two field goals for Dallas, four for Robbie Gold. And you look at Robbie Gold and maybe a, a chance to get to Canton in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And his career... You figure he's got another couple of years, right, Larry? Another two or three years left in Robbie Gold's career. Right now he's 10th all-time in points scored. And if he averages 30 field goals a year, which is not crazy, let's give him 25 field goals, which is 75 points and another 25 extra points. You give him 100 points a year for the next two years, he's going to be in the top five all-time in points. Great guy. Um, And a guy who, you know, I I think at times maybe didn't love being out here, right? I mean, there were some times where I think he wanted to go back to Chicago. He's got three boys. And I asked him, I said, do your your boys, are you enjoying? He's he's played 18 years in the NFL. (laughs) And so I asked him, I said, hey, man, you got into this thing. You had no kids. And now here you got three boys. They're all grown up. It must be cool. You're sharing your kind of your career with them. I go, do you talk ball with them? And he's like, oh, man, I'm just dad to them. Them, but they love Kittle. They love Bosa. <laughs> nice. You know, they love Jimmy Ward. You know, he's like, they love all these guys. They love McCaffrey. You know, I'm just dad. But um, but yeah, you know, he, Robbie Robbie Gold's a total weapon.
happen. Just turned because, 40, by the way, in December. Yeah, I mean, and not old for a kicker. That is not old. I mean, he's like the modern-day uh, Jan Stenerud or uh, Morton Anderson you. or something. But, I mean, Morton Anderson, by the way, number two all-time in points. He's a Hall of Famer. He could kick forever. Jan Stenerud, 19th in points. He's also in the Hall of Fame. Robbie... The, the great value of Robbie, and I would love this kind of a kicker on my team, where, okay, you can't really ask him to kick 55 to 60 like some guys, but, man, he's going to be money on everything inside of, like, 48 yards or something like that. And that's that's what I would want if I was a if I was a play caller and I'm an offensive coordinator. I want a kicker that I absolutely can depend on, um, and the Niners feel like they can depend on him. And Shanahan rides him. Yeah, and he should ride him. He's been clutch, perfect as we mentioned in his postseason career. And you mentioned it from fifty plus. He's thirty six of fifty one for his career. Not a terrific percentage, but inside of fifty. The guy's absolutely cash money in the bank. He's gold in the bank. He's he <laughs> he's gold. But you know the thing about it too is that he's got he's real calm. Um, what I love too is when he's when he's going to warm up and he's ready to warm up. He don't care. He doesn't care if the cheerleaders are out there. He doesn't care if the other teams out What'd there. What you think of that scene yesterday in pre-game? the pregame? Yeah. Well, I mean. I thought it would remind me a little bit of like Miami, Florida State, or something. You know, it's like these teams. These, the, it's it's more than a game. These these teams don't like each other. Um, and you know, the 49ers and Cowboys. I mean, there there's there's some bad blood there. I mean, I, to me, I mean, I know it's it's uh, that always gets overplayed. But I think there's some legitimate bad blood there. I think the 49ers don't like the Cowboys. And I think the Cowboys don't like the Niners. Um, and you know, so it's it's it it is what it is. I mean, it's. Uh, I thought we'd see a little bit more of that, to be honest, and not just in this game around the league, but um, it's more of a college thing, huh? Where, where teams kind of brawl before the game or talk a lot of trash. These guys are, you know, NFL players in 2023 are showing up with laptops and briefcases. Uh, you know, it's not it's not uh, North Dallas 40 and crushing beers and everybody's, you know, it, it's a much more refined. The players are professionals. They're true pros. And, and they the don't... jersey swap and all that. And a lot of these guys share agents anyway, so right. there's not that same sense of... Animosity. Right. And it's, you know, by and large, a lot of these guys are millionaires. Whether or not they save their money, that's an individual choice or an individual decision. But they're all so well paid. And, you know, you're not so much fighting for your life as it was in the old school where, you know, if, if, you, if you get cut, you got to go out and be a, a carpenter or something. You got to go get a real job. You know, what I also thought was kind of interesting. Now we're down to the final four. Um, all offensive coaches. Yeah. Every coach alive is an offensive head coach. Um, and only Sean McDermott was the only defensive coach heading into the weekend. Yeah. So and does that tell you that that's the kind of the preferred route? I mean, is that is that going to hurt D'Amico Ryans and his efforts to land a head coaching gig? It's something we talked about uh, last week, you and I, and I don't think it necessarily will hurt him, especially if you can bring with you a good offensive mind. I think that if you're a leader of men, which D'Amico Ryans, by all measurement, is former player, he's got his unit, the defensive unit, playing as well as any team, any side of the football in the NFL, I think that goes a lot further than, well, you're a defensive-minded guy. We don't want you to be our head coach. But, you know, you see what happened in Buffalo. They had the worst weekend of any of the, uh, the eight teams, you'd have to say. To lose in that fashion to Cincinnati, especially after the notion that 
that the Bengals probably would have beaten you in Week 17, yeah. the DeMar Hamlin injury game that never was. And this was Buffalo's big chance at redemption and a real shot to get to the Super Bowl. But second straight year, you get knocked out in the divisional round. Well, and Buffalo's defense. I mean, Von Miller, people ask, what, what happened to Buffalo? Von Miller. Von Miller is one of the greatest players in, in, in the NFL still at this point. He is a difference-making pass rusher. The Rams rode Miller last year to a win over the Niners and a win over the Bengals. Von Miller is an awesome player. He's an absolute dominant edge rusher. They lost him. And then all this talk about DeMar Hamlin, nobody ever seemed to bring up the fact that DeMar Hamlin was kind of a key cog in that secondary for the Bills. The Bills lost guys on the back end yeah. at the safety spots. Then they lost um, you know, Von Miller up front. And then, you know, Josh Allen was their leading rusher. Buffalo ran for 3-3 three, three a carry. Devin Singletary's just a guy. I like uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, but he's not a, he's more of a receiver, complimentary back. Um, you know, where was Diggs? You know, I mean, Josh Allen's turned it over an awful lot this Diggs year. Diggs was gone. He left the locker room before the coaches even had a chance to make it all the way through the tunnel. Supposedly Diggs was saying some things about, about Josh Allen. But, I mean, I love Josh Allen. I think he's going to get it done. But right now, if, if you said who's better between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, the proof is in the pudding. It's Joe Burrow. It has to be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, one win away from going to back-to-back Super Bowls. Joe Burrow right now is probably the second-best quarterback in football behind the man who he has to beat, Patrick Mahomes. We'll get into that game more here in our final hour. Larry's in for Mark. Larry Kruger's in. It's Willard and Dibbs, 95-7 the game. Give us a call, 888 we got full phones. Let's talk about... The Armstead missed safety, Larry. We mentioned it. Yeah. Armstead had a safety, but he pulled up. B Raj has thoughts on it. He's in San Francisco. B Raj, what are you doing? I'm sitting in my car waiting for another Instacart. Nice. What'd you think of that play, B Raj? Why didn't Armstead go ahead and complete the safety? I think it's a mental lift, like mental lap. Like, I, I, I don't, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it was kind of like the, I forget who was it. Uh, the running back when he didn't slide when he got the first down. It's just mental lapses. It was the yeah, first. Play, it was the first play of Dallas's tenth drive. Um, they were on their own six yard line. Prescott throws a pass. It was tipped by Jimmy Ward, but before he throws the pass, Armstead ran by him in the end zone. Um, and Eric was asked about it afterwards at his locker, and he said, "I didn't. I didn't want to draw a penalty there. I mean, that, that's a big part of playing defensive line in the NFL. Is like, you know." If you sack the quarterback, huge positive play for your team, huge negative play for the other team. But if you draw an illegal, you know, hit on or a late hit or a roughing the passer penalty, that's a huge advantage. And when you have a team buried inside their ten yard line, you know, you want to keep them buried there. You don't want to give them that free pass out. And you know, I'm, maybe that was in his thinking. It was weird to watch. It was super no. weird to watch because he had him wrapped up. It's a safety. That's game over. Right. If he corrals him there, but right. he let him get away, and uh, Dak throws the the incomplete pass. They had to go 94 yards on that drive in order to to get a touchdown. And the PAT, no gimme, by the way, the way Brett Maher has been kicking of late. So you felt like you were in a good position there, and that that was a play that ultimately didn't make you worry too much about the outcome, but it certainly was a little bit of a of an odd 
Look, Ernie in Fresno wants to weigh in. Ernie, what are you doing? Hey, guys, how's it going? It's going Good. great, Ernie. Hey, I, sorry about the voice. I still lost my voice from the Seattle game. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I just want to make a comment, though. You're playing hurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought uh, Joey Bosa looked pretty good in the red and gold. Were you guys, uh, did you happen to see that? He was there supporting Nick. Wouldn't that be something? But was he rocking uh, Niner gear or just wearing red and gold? I didn't actually no, see him. I didn't either. Gear on. And it said Bosa in the back. Um, it wasn't a jersey, but it was a sweater that had Bosa on it. But I just thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. In the Thank NFL... You, um, and even Bonte hit on this on their show when I was listening, driving in. He said, you know, it's all about pass rush, right? It's like, that's why these edge rushers make so much money. And if you're an interior rusher at the defensive tackle spot, you're even going to make more. Um, you can never have enough edge rush. When you took Von Miller away from Buffalo, you saw the impact of it. If you took Nick Bosa off the field, man, you'd see the impact of that. Let's be honest here. Nick Bosa's been in the league, what, four years? He's gone to three NFC title games. The only time he didn't go to the NFC title when he game, was hurt, yeah. he got hurt in week two against that's the right. Jets, and he was done for the year. So. What'd you think of Nick Bosa last night? And even if we extrapolate out to the last four or five games, because it seems like he's slowing down a little bit. I know offenses are paying him a lot more attention, but in general, this Niner pass rush, this Niner defensive front hasn't been as game wrecking as it had been earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, this is once again back to how coaches learn how to turn off your water. I mean, they're sliding like that the, expression. They're sliding the protection towards him, right? Um, they're trying to run away from him. I mean, you know, who are the two, you had the two best defensive players in the league on the field last night. The Cowboys largely neutralized Bosa as a pass rusher, though he made a number of plays against the run. And the Niners took Parsons away. I mean, Parsons had no sacks. Very Parsons, quiet night, Parsons yeah. had one hit on Purdy the entire game. Bosa had one hit on the QB, and he was credited for two tackles, one tackle for a loss. So, very quiet game for Nick Bosa. And when the dust settles... The first and second place finishers in Defensive Player of the Year will be those two. Yeah. It'll either be Bosa than Parsons, which I think is w the way it's going to go. It could go Parsons, then Bosa, but they're going to finish up one, two, and neither one of them really that impactful, at least on the stat sheet. And I know offenses are sliding their, their protection over accordingly and letting other players come in and make the impact. Yeah, I mean, the Niners have a have an array of guys. Um you know, up front, and and Ebukam's doing it, and Jordan Willis is doing it, but yeah, I would expect if the 49ers are going to go to Philadelphia and they're going to beat the Eagles, Nick Bosa's going to have to have a huge impact. He's probably going to have to have a couple sacks. He's probably going to have to have a couple more pressures. Um, but what I love about Nick right now is that he is so good against the run. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely. might be one of the he might be their best defensive lineman up front right now against the run, and his job is to rush the passer. Yeah. So I mean that he's doing it. I mean, I'll, I'll say that Kinlaw absorbs blockers, Gin, uh, Givens shoots gaps, and then they're using a bunch of guys who are edge rushers, and they're playing all kinds of stunning games. Uh, to me, that would be another thing that they need to do uh, against Jalen Hurts is more of these games, because when you have these stunning games, these ET and TE stunts, what happens is the quarterback, when he leaves the pocket, leaves kind of gingerly, because he never knows if there's a D-line. Who's D -line going where, in. exactly. Yeah, and who's got an angle, and it's just going to absolutely keyhole 
control him. So when you if you rush in your lanes and the quarterback knows what angle you're at, then they they sprint out of the pocket. If you can rush them in and place games up front and they don't know the angles, then they kind of they kind of tiptoe out of the pocket. Triple eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. It's uh, Willard and Dibs. Larry Kruger in for Mark Willard. Love to hear your thoughts on the ball game last night, and also take a look ahead. The 49ers noon Sunday at Philadelphia NFC Championship game. One thing, Larry, they're going to have to get to Jalen Hurts more than they got to Dak Prescott. Just one sack for zero yards yesterday against Dak Prescott, and with the two wide receivers that Philadelphia has. Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, big-time threats. If you give Jalen Hurts time, I think that you're going to be vulnerable in the secondary. And you saw C.D. Lamb have a monster game yesterday. How concerned were you with the way C.D. Lamb was able to get free for the majority of that game? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Lamb's a great player, but... Didn't feel like that they doubled him at all or that they they gave him much much additional attention. It felt like D'Amico Ryan's just stuck to his scheme and didn't pay extra attention to CeeDee Lamb. Um, the, you know, CeeDee's got great ball skills, too. And he's, he'd go up in a crowd, he'll make plays. But now Philly's got two guys like this. I mean, A.J. Brown's 225 pounds. He's really physical. And then Devontae Smith's got, you know, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. He's very special. And Goddard is now healthy. So, I mean, to me, the Niner defense has to get Philly into third and long. And, and that's kind of been their game plan this year, especially early in game. It's like they don't they don't take a lot of chances on defense. They wait for you to make a mistake, right. have a penalty, fall behind the chains, and then here comes a blitz on third and twenty, um, and then they're coming off the field. So I and a lot of bend but don't break, which I like the approach, and it worked perfectly against Dallas yesterday. They had just the one long drive and CD Lamb the one big play, but ultimately. You, you kept them out of the end zone on that drive as well. Yeah. I think to me, the biggest impact or the biggest factor in this game against the Eagles is can the 49er defensive line put some heat on, on Hurts, make, move him off his spot, not necessarily sack him, but hurry him, pressure him, make him kind of feel your presence on defense? Because if not, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are going to toast Charvarius Ward and D'Amador Lenore. Um, they're, they're too good, and if, if Hurts has too much time, um, I, I don't think the Niner DBs can stand up. So to me, this, this next game is all about the Niners putting rush on Hurts. Philadelphia favored by 2.5 right now. The line's been moving all over the place, yeah. uh, over under 45.5. And, a half. and uh, one of the great things about the jobs that we have, Larry, is you get to know, quote-unquote, Listeners, and you're able to sometimes make wagers with listeners. <laughs> with that in mind, I got lunch coming to me. Don't I, Brian? Brian in Palo Alto, you owe me, my brother. How you doing? I'm good. What do I owe you? PPA. <laughs> we made a bet that the Niners would make it to the conference championship game, and here they are. And uh, you were, <laughs> unfortunately, on the losing end of this one, BPA. All right. Hey, wherever you want to go, promise. Um, Love you, babe. I think, you know, uh, talking about the Niners' defense, I think showing, I thought they were really effective when they were sort of disguising pressure and disguising coverages yesterday. And yep. and D'Amico just lays back and, sh- and just shows his hand, this is what we're doing, it's obvious. I feel like they're not super effective right now. And so in the, with a, young, a quarterback that's, not not Tom Brady as far as somebody that's able to make decisions and progressions. I think they really need to do that. Like bring Warner and Greenlaw up in the gaps, show pressure, back off, 
disguise coverages. That's what they're going to need to do, and they're going to need to be very controlled in their in their pass rush. You can't Boza can't just blow off the edge up the field and open up massive rushing lanes for Hertz. They can't do it. They need to be controlled, and Boza struggled with that with mobile quarterbacks. So hopefully D'Amico can uh, dial it up. And then really thought Kyle struggled with Quinn yesterday. Um, you know, I thought Quinn was in his head. I thought offensively they weren't they 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 weren't very good most of the game, and so hopefully that's a one week thing. If you remember, Quinn really beat up Kyle well in 2019 when he was with Atlanta. So hopefully that's a Quinn thing. <laughs> yeah, and Kyle is uh, is ready to go this week. But yeah, uh, anyways, good job. Hey, thanks, good, Brian. Good job, good prediction. Appreciate it, babe. You beat me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> save up your money. We'll we'll do lunch when this is all said and done. I think Brian's right. Up to the first half, and in the second half, and you and I talked about this, Larry, Kyle made the adjustment where he went a little bit away from the run game for a time. He went empty a lot more, went to the short passing game, because early on, I think Brian's right, Dan Quinn had a lot of run blitzes called, and he was blitzing right into where the Niners like to run the ball, keeping San Francisco behind the sticks putting the rookie QB, who, by the way, struggled a little bit early in games. You had him looking at third and longs early and ultimately forcing him to punt. You know, it was interesting. It was like uh, the Dan you know, Dan Quinn was like, hey, you know what? I know Kyle Shanahan. I know what he wants to do. And he kind of showed it. And Dallas's defensive front, it's Hankins and a bunch of pass rushers. And I thought that early sack from Osa uh, from uh, from UCLA. Olegzua. Yeah, he's he's really, really nice. I mean, you're talking about an interior pass rusher, and then they got they got Lawrence and they got Parsons, and I mean they have they just had a bunch of guys um, up front and they that got was a lot- second play from scrimmage, which forced a third and nineteen and ultimately a third and out for the Niners. And 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 I think the Cowboys also put a lot of pressure on you in the secondary because they've got some playmakers and they got guys who you know they've, they've got a lot of speed on the back end so I thought overall now Philly's pasties better Chauncey Gardner Johnson is better than the Dallas safeties Bradbury was a, a you know pro bowl corner and he's got a ton of experience and you saw him jump that route he's playing instinctive he's playing smart he's fast he's physical he's big so I mean you got two difference makers back there Bradbury's awesome right. CJ Gardner Johnson's awesome and then up front Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, all kinds of ta- all kinds of talent coming off the edge. I mean, the you know the Eagles put a ton of pressure on you. Um, I think it's going to be really imperative that the Fortnite ers get some run game going, definitely, or, or be creative in the very in the short passing game and try to neutralize that, that Eagles get rush. Get the ball to Debo early, a lot of screens, and uh, you know get the ball to George Kittle in the shorter intermediate routes. Kittle had a big catch on that second drive that helped avoid a three and out. They ended up punting anyway but they're going to have to find ways to exploit the Eagles linebackers in the pass game. Let's go to Mark in Eagle, Idaho, who wants to hit on special teams. Hey, Mark, what are you doing? Hey, guys, I just got back from the uh, park playing in the snow with my two dogs, nice. Kittle and Frankie Gore. I love it. Eagle was my, uh, <laughs> Eagle was my fallback city uh, if things didn't work out for me here in the Bay, but now Eagle, Idaho, too expensive, Mark. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of getting up there by California, but still everything else, the cost of living, yeah. PG&E, mm, car sure. registration, not even, it's probably half of what it is in California. I'm sure the people of Idaho Don't love you. away from it. I'm sure the people of Idaho love it when you say, <laughs> yeah, we're from California. I'm sure they're like, they're very, very welcoming. Oh, well, come on in. Five years ago, Eagle, Idaho was a sleeper of a town where you could go to. It's about 20 minutes outside of Boise, 
But now values have blown up. But go ahead, Mark. Let's not talk real estate. Yeah. Kudos, by the way, for saying boy C. Thank you. You know what you're talking about. I'm no dummy, Mark. Uh, I just want to talk about the the special teams. I'm kind of disappointed. I know Robbie Gold Gold doesn't have the leg, but when he can't kick it out of the end zone, at least get him to take a touchback, I feel our uh, return coverage is pretty weak. And I'm afraid it might cost us in a big game like next week. What do you guys think? Well, thank you, Mark, for the phone call. It's uh, It's been pretty good, I think, for the most part. Last night, though, they gave up uh, the one big return on the other side, Ray Ray, with the punt fumble. The Niners invested in the sp- in special teams, and George Odom, I believe, led the league in special teams tackles. Demetrius Flanagan Foles was uh, high up on that list as well. You know, I-, I say this: I like the 49ers special teams a lot more this year than last year. They got a new coordinator, Brian Schneider. Yeah, Robbie Gold said that the uh, plans are very simple and straightforward. Ray Ray's had a great year until yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's I think there's a lot to like about the Niners special teams unit, but I'm I'm looking at yesterday as that was Turpin, like Turpin exactly. is super exactly. special, and that was more about him than what they can't do. But I agree, if you just watch this game, you're thinking, man, the Niners, you, you might be able to take one back on the Niners on a kickoff or a punt return because they seem like their their coverage was kind of iffy. Robbie Gold though perfect, and uh, Mitch Wisnowski had a little bit of an uneven game. He had the one shank punt. I think in the uh, third quarter off the side of the foot, they got a nice bounce and roll on that one, so it ended up about a 40-yard net, but Wisnowski was not stellar all game long either. All guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. You are our guest today. Line up the phones. Give us a call, 888-957-9570, or hit us on the Xfinity mobile text line at 888-957-9570. One more hour with Larry Kruger, then Steiny and Goo come in. You are listening to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game.